Web 2.0. Innovation. Trend. Collaboration. Software. Got the world turning as fast as it can? Hear how technology can help, legally speaking, with two of the top legal technology experts, authors, and lawyers, Dennis Kennedy and Tom Mile. Welcome to the Kennedy Mile Report here on the Legal Talk Network. And welcome to episode 297 of the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Dennis Kennedy in Ann Arbor. And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. Before we get started, we'd like to thank our sponsors. First of all, we'd like to thank NOTA, powered by M&T Bank. NOTA is banking built for lawyers and provides smart, no-cost IOLTA account management. Visit TrustNOTA.com forward slash legal to learn more. That's N-O-T-A, NOTA. Terms and conditions may apply. Next, we'd like to thank Colonial Surety, company bonds and insurance for bringing you this podcast. Whatever court bonds you need, get a quote and purchase online at ColonialSurety.com forward slash podcast. And we'd like to thank ServeNow, a nationwide network of trusted pre-screened process servers, work with the most professional process servers who have experience with high-volume serves, embrace technology, and understand the litigation process. Visit ServeNow.com to learn more. And with so many new podcasts announcing their very first show these days, as we rapidly approach our 300th, we are three episodes away from our 300th, Dennis. We occasionally like to mention that at 15 years and counting, this is the longest continuously running legal tech podcast out there. Uh, Did I mention that we're three episodes away from our 300th episode? Uh, If you have ideas for the episode, if you have questions that we can answer uh, in the the B segment of an upcoming episode or any questions you want for the 300th. Did I mention it's our 300th episode? Leave us a voicemail at area code 720-441-6820. You know, Tom, I was, I was thinking that we uh, should either give ourselves a, an award for our 300th episode or maybe do like an Amazon gift list where our listeners can buy us presents. Now for that us. is an idea. So in our last episode, we discussed the current state of ransomware and what you can do to try to protect yourself and your organization. In this episode, it's time for an update on what we are calling our second brain project. Spoiler alert, I think we are making serious progress. Tom, what's all on our agenda for this episode? Well, Dennis, in this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, we will indeed be bringing our listeners up to date on our Second Brain Project. Uh, In our second segment, we're going to take our respective temperatures after the latest Microsoft Surface announcements. And as usual, we'll finish up with our parting shots, that one tip website or observation that you can start to use the second that this podcast is over. But first up, our Second Brain Project and where we are today. Over the past year, we have been slowly building our second brain. If you are interested in learning more about the process and what we think is important to building a second brain, you're going to want to listen to episode, and you might want to rewind this a couple times to get everything, episodes 265, 268, 274, 278, 281, and 284. We're talking about the different parts and components of building a second brain. Uh, We really like them. We hope you will too. Since that last episode back in April, episode 284, we have both been working on our respective second brain projects. Uh, Dennis, probably more than me, seeing as he has a little bit more time on his hands than I do, especially during the summertime. 
I know, Dennis, that you had a goal of getting to Second Brain 1.0 by September 30th, whatever 1.0 means. Uh, I guess, did you make it? And what is 1.0? You know, I actually was going over uh, where I was at the Second Brain and that actual question this afternoon. And I decided I, I really feel that the answer is yes. And the reason is I had mapped out what I had hoped to accomplish and um, and then I kind of ticked through it. And then I have now mapped out what Second Brain 2.0 uh, which is going to add uh, some new features that are going to be surprisingly like some of the things you've already done, Tom. And I sort of, when I looked back and I gave myself an assessment of where I was on Second Brain, it really felt like 1.0 was was finished. And that's why I uh, shared a video with you of, of what I've done. But um, it, it I feel really good where I'm at. So uh, I don't know what you thought uh, of the video I gave you where I am, but I'm curious about that and then also where your progress is. Well, so I I haven't had as much time, as I already said. I haven't had as much time to do it to deal with it as you have. Um, I have made what I would call incremental progress. I have been able to build out some specific resources, and I would call myself – uh, preliminarily happy with them. I think that they're headed in the right direction. They're capturing what I want, and we'll talk kind of more about what those mean. I think there's still a whole lot of work to be done. Um, I think, and, and and I'll we'll discuss this a little bit more in just a second. I, I think that my second brain 2.0 looks very different from your second brain 2.0 because I'm not sure that I'm going to go much further in how I build it out uh, from you. You are clearly looking at kind of a two-component process, and, uh, and and I'm a little bit different in that regard. I'm, I'm generally happy with what I've limited my second brain to here, and um, we should probably just get into it so I don't keep talking around it and people know what I'm talking about. But I think in general, I'm happy with the progress. Um, you know, I did the same thing, Dennis, uh, we, since we wanted to kind of uh, show each other what we had done. And so we kind of knew where e each of us stood. We did a, we each kind of recorded on video. I liked the fact that we shared video with each other. I would love to use a different tool. And um, not to get too far off track with the second brain, but a couple of episodes ago, we, we talked about during our Hot or Not, the asynchronous audio or video communications tools that are popping up where you can leave a video message or an audio message um, instead of talking to somebody. Um, since we did that episode, I've seen about six more tools pop up and recently Slack has introduced uh, a very similar tool within its communication platform. I'm not sure I liked uh, the fact that you recorded yours in Zoom. That's okay, but it's really not the use that Zoom is. I recorded mine in Teams, which again, the same thing. However, the problem was you couldn't open it. You needed a password. I had to give it, get it to you in a totally different way. So I like the idea of sharing video to do things like that. Let's get back on track and talk about the second brain. Uh, I, I think maybe we can talk later about finding a new tool to do that sort of thing on a more regular basis. Yeah, and, and it, it, it was interesting to see how I would say our focus is a bit different. And I don't know that we're ultimately going to end up in diff, you know, 
different places. It's going to be somewhat different because they're uh, it's personalized, or whether we just are at different stages. But the reason I wanted to talk about this because I had this this great epiphany while I was working on the second brain, and uh, and I that's what I wanted to share with with our with our listeners. And uh, it, it surprised me a bit uh, that I that I actually had this epiphany. But um, I was looking at Notion, uh, which is the tool that we're both building in, and I was thinking in terms of pages and templates. So, uh, you know, I put information onto a page, and it'd be like a document. Um, and then I would kind of connect those documents together in in some way that I wasn't quite sure about. And then Notion has uh, these templates that people have, have pre-built. And I was grabbing any of those that looked interesting to me. And then I was trying to work with them. And I realized they didn't really work in the way I wanted. And I realized this whole notion of thinking about the second brain as as sets of documents was wrong. And so my epiphany is that um, what Notion is about and what my second brain should be about is databases and filters and views. And so that instead of documents, I want to have you know databases that are easy to understand that have uh, elements, I'll call them elements, but are really simple. And I build from those and I pull from those and then I'm able to to filter what I see and create uh, actual views that have happened. And so um, that surprised me, although it shouldn't, because I, you know, you can probably go back to like, I don't know, 20 or so podcasts where I've said that we're moving, uh, lawyers should be thinking in terms of of databases and getting away from documents and email, because that's that's where the, the world is going. But it resulted in a, in a pivot. And then in a, just a few days, I got the second brain for what I was doing in stage one um, to to where I wanted. So it's that that notion of saying, uh, in notion, uh, of, of saying, Everything starts as a database, and then then I, I work from there. And it's not just a page that I you know put notes or uh, or create documents. So that was the big pivot for me. So I don't know. Maybe you started. Uh, you were ahead of me, uh, Tom, in, in this way of thinking. But that's the epiphany I really wanted to talk about in this podcast, and it made all the difference. Well, so I think let me let's talk for a second about our projects diverging. Um, I think they're diverging, and I don't think that they're going to come back. And the reason is, um, and maybe you want to talk about this a little bit more, is that I think that what you are building so far, in my definition and how I think about it, is not really a second brain as we have defined it. The way that I would look at what you're building is what notion expert, somebody that we're, I'm going to put his link to his YouTube channel in the show notes, August Bradley calls a life operating system, which we'll kind of go into what that means shortly. But it's more about tracking projects and tasks and results and metrics. Um, And the knowledge base may come second for you. But I don't want to track tasks in Notion. I don't want to do habit tracking or things like that in Notion. I may do projects at some point because they may relate to if I ever if I ever start to 
create content on a more regular basis, I might want to set up that workflow in Notion to do that, but it would flow from my second brain in Notion. It would be part of that and linked to that. And um, I'm not putting, I, I, and so that's that's kind of where they're, they're not going to link up. So second part for me is not getting to that. I might get to some of that later, but I'm not sure that I will. I will say, as far as the database thing is concerned, I caught on to, I did catch on to that before you did. I, I sort of view now that pages are your lowest level and it's where everything drives down to. I am keeping the content on pages. The information that I want to view stays on pages, but those pages live within databases that, um, uh, that for example, I've created and, and probably what's my favorite part of it was that is the media vault where I have all of my Readwise highlights, my highlights from Kindle, from Instapaper and all of those things. But I've also set up separate databases so I can say, all right, where are my books related to this? And I filter the same database, but only show the books. Or I want to have the same thing, but only show the articles or just show the podcasts or just show the tweets. And it's very simple to set those filters uh, or those views so that you can only look at a certain part of it and put it all over the place. And, and that's, to me, the major power. That's one thing that I'm kind of we'll talk a little bit more about what I want to learn and how I'm struggling with it is that I, I'm not great at databases yet but I that's pretty much I, I've been I've been creating them early on and still am using them as kind of the foundation yeah so it's interesting you talk about the life OS because part of the way I was able to kind of get the clear view I have of, of notion now came from my friend Mike Capucci and he what he has done in Notion is, uh, you know, based on that Life OS system. Um, so I pulled from that, but the and and this is why I uh, point out templates specifically is once I started working with somebody else's template, I realized, and this is kind of the key to the whole second brain, and I think one of the the themes we're going to have here is it does become very personal. And so when I started to try to work with these templates, I realized that they made sense to somebody else, but they didn't make sense for me, and I was actually better off because it's so easy to create and link databases in, in Notion. And we're talking about simple, simple databases. Um, so it's not like you have to, to have any database sophistication uh, specifically, although we'll talk about some of the things to do that. And then the other thing is that where I think we diverge a bit is that I, from the beginning, wanted to have the second brain focused on uh, what I, I don't have a great word for this. I was trying to think of a word today that's better, but I call it actionizing. Uh, so I look at projects. So I conceive of things in terms of projects and then tasks. So that's the David Allen approach, you know, that there are, there are projects and there are tasks that are associated with those projects. And if I have some things out there, they need to be associated with projects to be useful to me. And then I, that gives me the control I need because then everything is kind of organized into, into projects. And the projects could be, you know, uh, very future-oriented or vague, but a lot of times I want to, to see those. And then I wanted something that was like a dashboard that could say, okay, here are my priorities for this quarter, 
here are the tasks related to the, here are the projects related to those priorities, here are the tasks related to those, and then eventually there will be the resource, you know, the resources or reference material tied in some ways to projects with using tags, I think will be the way that I'll, I'll give myself flexibility. And then I will create something, I think you did, Tom, like you did with the Media Vault, which I'm now thinking in terms of the reference manual where I will start to put those things in. But even with that, I'm looking to say, what is the action I associate with that? Uh, so what are these notes going to be used for? If I have a list of books or video, YouTube videos, what is the project associated with? So that to me is, is I think, the overriding thing for me is that action piece more than repository. And I think you're, you're, you're kind of, I think you started more with the knowledge base or uh, repository of, first, and then we'll do more of the action stuff later. So I think we'll come a little bit closer, but I suspect we will end up in some different places. Well, I just, I, it's just my opinion that the actionizing aspect of it really doesn't, to me, doesn't, it's not a second brain um, because I can use, maybe not in the same way, I can use Todoist or you can use, um, you can use OmniFocus. Um, I could use Trello for all those things. And those certainly aren't second brain tools. But that said, um, you know, I, I'm definitely, I'm definitely going with, I'm using it as not only the resource base with the Media Vault, but I also, um, I also built out Two things that are immediate were an immediate need for me, which is I've always wanted a place to be able to manage my vacations. I, I like to plan vacations. I like to have lots of um, resources available, like the restaurants we're going to go to, walking tours, uh, having information, you know, have a link to the map so I know how to get to from one place to the other. I like to have at my fingertips everything about a vacation, and I was able to create a bunch of different databases of sites and restaurants and uh, and uh, hotels and other things like that, and then link them to, I'm creating a separate page for each vacation and then linking to those da- databases as part of the, as part of each vacation. So uh, there's a, a place that will show the travel expense and really what it, I mean, the travel reservations, really what it, what it boils down to on that page is I create actually kind of a, a, a Kanban board um, that, lists out all of the different sites in the itinerary, which I pull over again from the itinerary database that I built. And each day has a separate card for each thing. And each of those cards has a map to get there. Um, it'll If I have a walking tour, I can click on it and it will tell me, you know, things about that. Once we get there, I can talk about it. Um, and it was when we went to Oregon a couple of weeks ago, really, really a good tool to be able to do that. So I'm happy that I was able to do it. I need to find to learn better ways. But let me come back real quick and say, um, you, you looked at templates. I think there's a value to looking at 
other people's templates because I am, I'm a scavenger. I will take what works. I will take ideas and I will cobble them and mash them together into something that works for me. And that's what I did with the travel. I, I couldn't find exactly the travel uh, template that I liked. There's a ton of people who've done them. I couldn't really find the exact one. So I just did a Frankenstein monster and put mine all together. And I really like what I've done a lot better than what other people are doing. So I'm, I'm pleased with how it's working. I'm just moving a lot slower, I think. So two comments there. So, so one is I, I saw your, your vacation database as like a, a really good act, uh, example of what I, I thought of as actionizing uh, because you, you had the resources, you, you were then able to pull them together into the view you want. You sort of had this great daily view of, of the stuff that was important and what you were doing. And, and so that's... In, Maybe so. I would, I would sort of think of... For me, I would say, well, the vacation is a project, a project. and then, then that I would use. Make it sound the, quite as fun, but okay. Yeah, yeah, but that's that's my my thinking there. And then the other thing, where you said the scavenging on templates. See, I I I went that route, but I went too far. I was going like, oh, here's a template. Um, this is something I need to create, you know. And I'm going like, oh, this is cool. This is cool. And then I I had like, I would just kind of cluttered up my my notion folder for the second brain with all these templates that I couldn't figure out what to do with so by kind of and this is like the classic database thing the more you kind of plan out ahead of time the better off you are so uh, yep, so so that's those are two thoughts and then I want to you you've uh, you and I have both done something that uh, I thought was worth mentioning that we we have we're trying to think through carefully. So you're you're doing a, a health records database. I'm doing something I call vault for kind of like important papers and uh, important uh, information. And that's another approach where I would say the uh, it, it's not. So so much a project. It really is a repository of important things that I can that we can pull up, uh, you know, whenever we need them. But um, you might talk about what you've done, Tom, and then um, the concerns that we're both thinking about as we do these types of uh, parts of the second brain. Uh, well, for me, the, the reason that caused me to create the the health records area is that I can't find another tool that I like better. I, I want, you know, I've, I, my, my doctors all have separate portals where they keep information. Um, I, I suppose I could go to those places. Um, Microsoft had a great tool a while back that was super secure. It had great uh, dashboard. You could upload medical records. It, they called it Microsoft Health Vault. Um, it was a great place to store. I, I want to store my entire health history. I am now at an age where I'm having to follow my father's health history to know what's going on with him. I want to be able to have the same insight to say, now, when did I get that tetanus booster? Um, when did that happen? So I, so I know all of that. I don't have a place to keep that. And so I've decided to put it in Notion. And what's interesting is Health Vault was terrific, and then it shut down. Microsoft decided to shut it down. And what was... <laughs> fascinating to me was they Microsoft actually recommend say if you want to do this go with this tool or this tool and both of those tools are either completely out of business or they haven't updated in three years so Microsoft bet on the wrong horses when they made recommendations and I'm saying if anybody here uh, who's listening to this knows about a health vault tool 
then I'm all ears. I don't know. You know, the one concern that I have about the the vault in Notion is privacy, is security. You know, Notion is allegedly somewhat secure, but it doesn't have two-factor authentication yet. They're working on it, but it's not there yet. So I might probably want to think about a more secure option. But um, hey, that's one reason to use that that tip line. Uh, if you if you've got an option for a health records database that could hold everything that I wanted to put in there, then show me the way and I will jump on it. But that's that was my major issue with uh, with with why I put it together. And I actually really like it because I can filter it and say, all right, here's my list of vaccines. Here's my list of drugs that I'm taking. Here's when I've been to this doctor and how many times I've been to this doctor over the past five years. It's working well for me. So I think that you do have that concern about privacy and, and security, but you're balancing against, is it going to be convenient for you or for someone else to, to access um, that information? Uh, you know, and that could be something like tax return or health information or, or you know, life insurance policies, those, you know, a, a bunch of those things that you might put into a safe deposit box back in the, in the old days. But, um, so that's kind of interesting. I, I did want to uh, talk about one thing, Tom, because there's a news story that the Notion has bought a company called Automate.io. Yep. Um, and one of the things for me that's really interesting is they're working on a way uh, to connect uh, the Pocket app, uh, which is a, a what I call a read later app where you save things into and to port things right into to Notion. Notion has its own web clipper. And that's part of the reason I went with the this sort of stage 1.0 that I did. And then I pushed back what I call the reference manual piece of this into, into 2.0 because I kind of struggled with how the web clipper worked and some of the importing tools. Um, and so I pushed them down the road into the into the second phase. You have a great uh, application of the Readwise uh, interface with our, our API into, uh, into Notion that's worked well. So that actually has got me really interested in, in moving forward with those importing tools. So, uh, but I pushed it back. So you might talk a little bit, about what you're doing with Readwise. Well, so let me say first about the acquisition of Automate.io. I mean, they Automate is one of the two or three companies that was offering integrations with the Notion API when they first d- debuted. Um, and and those the other companies, I think Zapier, I forget the other name, the other company that's doing if it. This and that. Uh, um, they had yes. They also will have, they have integrations with Instapaper, with Pocket, with those common things. I've played around with them a little bit, but I haven't gotten them to work exactly. But but part of the reason why I don't care as much about Instapaper or Pocket integrations is because of Readwise and how I think Readwise works so well. Um, I will say, as far as the Clipper is concerned, if you are, Dennis, if you are not already doing this and anybody else who is using Notion, ditch the Notion Web Clipper. It is terrible in my opinion. Go instead with a Chrome extension called Save to Notion. It is way better and it, it's a lot more powerful and it worked has worked better for me in um, saving things. It's not perfect. I think that the Web Clipper still has a way to go. And the issue with a Clipper like this is, is to make it really work in a seamless way, you really need to actually configure it to set up access to every database that you might want to save something to. And so what I've done 
at least initially is I've created just a general inbox and that's where all of my clipped stuff goes and I have to curate that. I have to go in and move stuff around to places and I like that as an option right now because it doesn't force me to to do a lot more work but I do I do have to go into that inbox occasionally and say okay now does this go here or does this go there what notebook do I want to put this into um, and I'm still working through that process but that said Readwise is flawless. Readwise integration is just amazing. I save, I mean, every, every highlight that I have goes directly into a card for that book or article, and it's automatically saved there. I've, I can't, I'm not, couldn't be happier with Readwise, and to me, that's, I, that's why I haven't even looked at any integrations, because it's getting everything into Notion in a much better way than I could ever have come, come up with it. Yeah, that the integration you did is super cool. I um, that's that's really impressive to me, and that's something that I want to do. Tom, I, I know we're running short on time, but I, I think the to wrap up, I would say that we I think we're both really liking our choice of Notion as the tool to to build out of. I would also say that I've discovered the Notion training videos are really, really good. good. There's a lot of good really helpful. Out there, yeah. And then I would say my learning so far have been that you know, once I kind of get the hang of the database approach is that, that databases really do require some upfront planning and kind of mapping out what you want to do and then deciding on the key data elements. So for me, it's like, you know, tasks and projects. Um, and then in the, the resource world, I'm going to have, you know, some some fundamental unit um, that I, I will work with. And then the other thing that I've learned is this notion of dashboard creation, that Notion allows you to, to filter a database and set up a view and then to link that to another page and show that as a dashboard. So I could say, here are the number one priority things I have for the next week and show the projects that are associated with. And I can just go to one, uh, one dashboard page and see that. Um, and so that, I just see tons of potential in creating these little dashboards. I think that for me, what I need to do better and what's next for me is I really want to understand better how to organize the databases. So for example, right now, what I'd like to build into my travel database is a restaurant database. I read... I read restaurant reviews all the time. I read travel magazines all the time. So I know about hotels. I want to be able to, I, I, I'm, I'm going to start listing cool hotels or restaurants that I want to try out whenever I happen to be in a place. And I'd like to be able to surface that when I'm planning a trip to that area and just say, filter, show me all the places for this city that I've got in my restaurant and, and, um, and, and hotel databases. I want to figure out how to actually organize them in, in terms of the notion hierarchy. That's step one. Number two is really hardcore second brain stuff. You know, I don't really take that many notes. I'm just not a note taker. I'm more of a highlighter in articles and books and things like that and grabbing that kind of information. I'm not really taking notes. And I see that that's an area where I could prosper within Notion is to do better about getting my own content in there. So I've, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm able to tap on that, tap that whenever I need to. But that, that's, those are kind of the major issues that I want. Uh, hopefully some of this that we've talked about is of interest to you that makes you want to think about using Notion. Please feel free to reach out to us or as we said, hit up YouTube. There's tons of great instructional videos that can get you started with Notion. And I would say 
that uh, we recommend that you try this and that we're happy to exchange ideas with you, especially like really cool ideas. <laughs> especially really cool ideas. <laughs> All right, let's get on. Let's get on with the second segment. But before we do that, let's take a quick break for a message from our sponsors. Looking for a process server you can trust? ServeNow.com is a nationwide network of local pre-screened process servers. ServeNow works with the most professional process servers in the industry, connecting your firm with process servers who embrace technology, have experience with high volume serves, and understand the litigation process and rules of properly effectuating service. Find a pre-screened process server today. Visit www.servenow.com. Wish you could get a quote and purchase an appeal, trustee, estate, or any other court or fiduciary bond quickly online? Colonial Surety Company has every bond you need and is a direct insurer that's U.S. Treasury listed, licensed in all 50 states and territories, and rated A excellent by AM Best. So you can be confident it's a trusted resource. Get started at colonialsurety.com forward slash podcast. You went to law school to be a lawyer, not an accountant. Take advantage of NOTA, a no-cost IOLTA management tool that helps solo and small law firms track client funds down to the penny. Enjoy peace of mind with one-click reconciliation, automated transaction alerts, and real-time bank data. Visit trustnota.com legal to learn more. Terms and conditions may apply. And now let's get back to the Kennedy Ma Report. I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy, and it's time for our segment we call Hot or Not. We pick something people are talking about and argue whether we think it is a hot topic that you need to pay attention to or not. We might agree, but odds are that we won't. So let's get started. Tom, we spoke at probably great length in the last episode about this September Apple event, so it's only fair to give some equal time to the September Microsoft Surface event and related announcements. And that might just mean that now I get to turn the tables and call you a Surface fanboy. However, are the new Surface announcements hot or not? So I hate to deprive you of that pleasure, Dennis, but frankly, to be a fanboy of Surface, I'd have to own one or more of those devices, I, I would think. And as of today, I don't. I'm not a Surface person anymore. I used to have lots of Surface devices, and frankly, I just don't use them anymore for various reasons. I am a fan of the product, though. I think that Microsoft has really become a, a solid hardware manufacturer. They, they make some good products. They just don't have anything that I really want to use right now for various reasons. But let's get to the event and talk about it. Similar to the Apple event, they unveiled a bunch of new devices and accessories. What I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about things in what I consider most interesting to least interesting, and I'll try to go through this quickly. Most interesting device was a, a something called the Surface Laptop Studio. It's the successor to the Surface Book, which was the, the big, heavy laptop that would flip around. You could remove the screen. Um, I like this form factor a lot more. They ditch the removable tablet. Um, it's not as heavy. It doesn't look as heavy anyway. It might be somewhat the same, but it seems smaller than the last one. You can now lay the screen flat across the top of the laptop where you can write on it. It's really a cool, new, kind of innovative design. I think easily the most powerful of the current 
new Surface devices. It looks like a great option. Uh, the price is right up there with it being powerful. Next up is the Surface Pro 8, which is what most people think about when they want to buy a Surface, which is the, the tablet factor that has the kickstand. The, this Surface Pro is really the best made of all the Surface devices, in my opinion. And they've really um, upgraded this. It's twice as fast as the last version. They've added USB-C. I think this is a great upgrade for anyone who is looking for a Surface or uh, looking to upgrade an o older model of the Surface. Um, the next thing that to me is, I'll put it in the middle only because it, it's interesting to me. Um, this was last year's sort of disaster for Microsoft, the Surface Duo, um, the folding phone that I actually purchased a version of, and I really, really wanted to love it, and I just couldn't. I, I just was underwhelmed by it. Um, the new 2021 version fixes all the problems with the last version. Every complaint that everybody had last year, Microsoft had fixed them all. A regular camera setup, an up-to-date processor, so it's faster, 5G, but it's not any more innovative this year. It's still really not that interesting a device for me. It's not my 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 cup of tea, so I'm passing on that. Um, the next thing isn't a device, but it's an accessory. I think it's really cool. The, Microsoft calls it the adaptive kit. It's a set of textured stickers, labels, tabs that are designed to improve accessibility. For example, there's a keycap sticker to help you help people with poor vision get alignment on the keyboard. There's a three-dimensional bump label for placing it on ports or buttons. I think that's incredibly cool and it's I think it's free. I mean it's free or incredibly cheap to get. Finally there were two other Surface devices mentioned. Surface Pro X, which is a step down from the Surface Pro, and then the Surface Go, which is their low budget tablet. I really didn't think there were any drastic changes here, just kind of a a new, a new year to year upgrade. Um, last episode, I gave Apple's event a seven out of 10 in the hot or not category. For Microsoft, I think I'm going to give them a six. Solid announcements, although a little boring, but you know what? Microsoft is not the most exciting company in the world. They just make solid, good quality hardware. Um, so really no surprises there for me. Dennis, what about you? Tom, I feel like I'm wearing your t-shirt that says evolutionary, not revolutionary. Um, so I haven't used the Surface for a while, but I'm, I, I really like them. And I have like a standard Windows uh, laptop that I use at work. And I would much rather have a, sur a Surface. So I think everything here was good. I don't get the, the dual screen uh, phones uh, so much, but that's kind of my personal thing. Um, and uh, but I, I thought everything was good. And I look at it the same way I look as Apple is that these devices uh, are important in how easy they are to use. But what really matters is what they what they open up for you. And so the key to it is going to be Windows 11 and the Windows ecosystem. And so I was, you know, I was jazzed after the Apple event, you know, not so much with this, but if I, in the business setting, I, I if I had the choice of a, of a Surface device, I would take it, you know, 10 times out of 10 over any other choice out there. Um, so I would give it kind of a five because I, I don't have like a great sense of like, uh, here are these amazing things that you can do, like, uh, you know, after the Apple event where I'm already thinking about like different ways I can do video and what I might create, which is sort of the 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 Apple ecosystem is is which I think is more designed to creatives rather than business people. 
But um, I love seeing things that are improving. And, you know, like I said, Tom, uh, this would be my choice in the in the Windows world uh, every single time. So now it's time for our parting shots at one tip, website, or observation you can use the second this podcast ends. Tom, take it away. I love how you turned that hot or not segment about Windows into one about Apple, ultimately. So uh, good, good on you for that. So my uh, hot or not is a, a new website. It's called, or kind of website, kind of service. It's called Feeds Mage. And what it's designed to do is it's designed to take your Twitter account. Um, you give it your Twitter information. Yes, you're doing that. You're authorizing this to access it. It looks at all the groups, the people that you follow or the accounts that you follow on Twitter. And it will let you know if they have an RSS feed, if they have a newsletter, if they have a YouTube channel, if they have something offline on Twitter that might be worth following. And I think it's fascinating. I'm going through here and I'm finding resources that I didn't actually know were available and starting to look at them and deciding if I want to subscribe to them. These are people who I care about their content, so I must hopefully would care about their content in other places. So I think it's nice if you have a, a, a decent number of followers just checking up and seeing what you got. I My, my uh, feeds made tells me that I have 293 feeds in my timeline, nine are newsletters. So I'm going to definitely go look at those, see if there's anything worth subscribing to. Dennis. Yeah, I thought this is really cool. I, I love the idea of this. I was actually getting an error earlier in the day when I tried it, but it's working for me for me now. So two things. So this I think is cool. Uh, I saw this other one, which I think is called Authorly, which for authors, it supposedly will go out and find all the articles you've authored all over the place and allow you to see them all in one place, which is also super cool, which is not my parting shot for the day. But I, I love these things that are kind of uh, finding other sources and aggregating them for you, almost like aggregation assistance. So Feedsmage is, is really cool. The one I have is, uh, so while Tom has this cool one, I have this thing that probably a lot of people know, uh, and it might be old hat for some, but I just found it super useful lately because I've been really disappointed with Google as a search engine um, in a lot of ways for finding what I want. And what I found is, and there's a number of these little tricks you can do, but um, starting to, to use questions as a search term. So how do I do X, um, I think is, is really um, in the search box, really gets you much better results than just typing keywords only. So just something to try, kind of structure your Google searches as a question and, and see if it does some improvement for you. I've done that for a while, and I think it actually does because I think the quality of the results tend to be much better and much more what I'm looking for. And so that wraps it up for this edition of the Kennedy Ma Report. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. You can find show notes for this episode on the Legal Talk Network's page for the show. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes or on the Legal Talk Network site where you can find archives of all of our previous episodes along with transcripts. If you'd like to get in touch with us, please reach out to us on LinkedIn or Twitter. And as we said, probably more than we should have, please leave us a voicemail at 720-441-6820. Don't forget, we've got a 300th episode coming up soon. So until the next podcast, I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy, and you've been listening to the Kennedy Mile Report, a podcast on legal technology with an internet focus. If you like what you heard today, please rate us at Apple Podcasts, and we'll see you next time for another episode of the Kennedy Mile Report on the Legal Talk Network. 
Thanks for listening to the Kennedy Mile Report. Check out Dennis and Tom's book, The Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, Smart Ways to Work Together, from ABA Books or Amazon. And join us every other week for another edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, only on the Legal Talk Network.